Hey guys, uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Justin Dirks. I've been on staff with Veritas. Jimmy and John, I paid them to do that, so thanks guys. Um, no, uh, disclaimer, it might not actually be necessary. Uh, for those of you who can't tell, I'm not much of a runner. Um, my legs aren't super long, not very lean. Uh, overall, you can't tell it now, but I'm pretty slow. Um, so I'm not a runner at all. And I really kind of just, I don't like it, you know? I don't really like running. But, 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 I have in my life ran one singular one half marathon. Uh, I have, thank you, <laughs> thank you. Uh, I have two sisters that are older than me. Uh, that were getting into running. Uh, I have my mom was getting into running, and so my oldest sister, she's uh, she's kind of pushy sometimes. She's like, "Hey, you should you should you should run with me. You know, we should we should run a half marathon together." Uh, and I thought, "Okay, cool, let's do it. Uh, <laughs> why not?" I wasn't really thinking. And so that summer, uh, this would be summer after my freshman year of college, my family was going on vacation to San Francisco. And she said, hey, I looked up, San Francisco's got a half marathon marathon that is the day before we're supposed to be there. I said, cool, let's, let's sign up. Um, so we sign up, we go out to vacation a couple days earlier, uh, and we run this half marathon. So fast forward, we get there, we're getting ready to run. Uh, the race starts, um, actually before that, have, has anyone been to San Francisco? Okay, a decent amount. But at least you know what the layout looks like, right? The city, up, over, up, over, up, over, down, over, up, over, down, over. You know, it's, 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 it's not the flattest city in the world. But me, I, I didn't think about that. Um, I didn't think, oh, that's probably not going to be fun to run up and down. Um, so then we fast forward. We get to race day. Uh, we start, and... You know, it was pretty fun. You've got a lot of adrenaline running, rushing. There's people there cheering you on at the beginning. Your family's there. You know, we're running along the coast, uh, so it's relatively flat. We, uh, we actually ran over the Golden Gate Bridge and back. Um, side note, when we were on the Golden Gate Bridge, I got passed by an old man juggling. He... <laughs> He ran, he ran the entire race juggling. I'm not even kidding. He's like, guy's like 6'3", lanky, like got the headband on, like character, right? But he just runs right past me, juggling the whole time. I'm like, okay, bro, like I'm trying hard right now, and you're just making this look like a piece of cake. Um, so we get over the Golden Gate Bridge and back, and that's when the race starts to go into the city. Uh, so... <laughs> Like I said, it's up, over, up, over, down, over, up, over, down, over. And so we get into this, and if you've ran before, you know, it's about mile marker 9 or 10. <laughs> and I'm gassed. I'm dying. I'm like, I, I can't do this. Uh, but fortunately enough, you know, I was running with my sister, and she was there next to me. She was standing there encouraging me, saying, come on, we got to do it. You can do this. Like, we've trained. Like, we want to do this. The finish line is close. We can get this done together. Um, and that was actually kind of what got me to the finish line. It was having her next to me, having her encouraging me, having her telling me what we've done. This is actually a picture of us. It's a buzz cut. Um, so that's me and my sister. 
actually the reason we're smiling is because it's almost the finish line and my legs by this time are numb. And so I can't feel anything. And so it's great. You know, by the end, you can't feel anything. You're back on adrenaline. Uh, it's awesome. But at mile nine or 10, I really, I wanted to give up. I wanted to quit. But it's because of my sister encouraging me, telling me, keep going, keep going. We've worked hard. You know, keep it up. Don't stop now that I was able to finish the race um, and keep running. And tonight, we're going to be continuing our sermon series through Philippians. And we're going to see Paul encouraging them, encouraging the Philippian church to continue, to live a life of obedience and faithfulness to God, to keep going. Um, so before we look at the scripture, will you guys uh, bow your heads and pray with me? Jesus, I thank you for uh, bringing us here tonight. I thank you for this room. I thank you for um, everyone that's in here. Lord, I pray that uh, for the remainder of our time here that uh, our hearts could be open to you, could be open to your word, that we could set aside uh, the stress, the anxiety, the busyness um, of what's going on, and we could hear your word, learn your word, soak in your word. Um, and know you deeper and more through tonight. Thank you, Lord, and it's in your name I pray. Amen. Cool. So if you have your Bibles, uh, open with me. We're Philippians chapter 2, verses, uh, verse 12 right now. So Philippians 2.12 says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So first, Paul is commending the Philippians. He's commending them for their obedience. And he's telling them, continue, continue to work out your salvation. And, and I think those words, obedience, working out our salvation, it can be tricky. And so I want us to, I want us to slow down and read this first carefully. Because I don't want us to misinterpret, misunderstand what Paul's saying here. I want to reread the verse and point out a key word that's really easy for us to miss. So the verse says, therefore, therefore, my beloved, as you have obeyed, so now not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. The word therefore, the reason I want to uh, draw your attention here is because the word therefore is crucial in understanding what Paul is talking about in this verse. Therefore shows us that this command that he gives to the Philippians to work out their own salvation, it's not in order to gain something, but it's in response to something. Paul's command is not in order to gain something, but it's in response to something. But to understand what it's in response to, we need to look back, right? We have to look back at what Paul said before these verses. So if you were with us um, last week, Kermit talked, and he talked through the verses before this, verses 6 through 11 of Philippians 2, and he explained how God's glory is given to us because of what Jesus did. It's because of Jesus' humility, his emptying himself, becoming a servant, dying the death on the cross, that we can have glory. Jesus died so that we may live and it's only through faith in this promise that we're adopted into God's family. Uh, Kermit said it this way. He said, he became nothing so that we could become something. He was made a no one so that we could become God's someone. 
He became empty so that we could have glory. Jesus died so that we may live. And that's what Kermit talked about last week, and so that's what we want to understand, we want to remember when we're reading Paul's verses tonight. You know, this is something outside of Philippians. We see Paul over and over. He tells other churches this, and he's furthermore telling us that we're not saved by what we do, but we're saved by faith in Christ. If you look at Romans chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified, are saved, are given eternal life with God by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So Paul, he's commending the Philippians on their faithfulness, right? Through being obedient, he's commanding them to work out their own salvation. It's not to gain anything, but it's in response to what has been done for them. They're not called to work for their salvation through performing good works, but to work out their salvation. They have already been graciously given through Christ's death and resurrection. Now, I know for some of us this isn't a new conversation, right? But what are some ways that you forget this, that we forget this? What are some ways that we try to earn our salvation. You know, maybe reading our Bible or doing our daily devotional in the morning is more like a checklist or a to-do list than wanting to actually learn about God. Maybe you feel a sense of you have to be this good person and do the right thing to get into heaven. Maybe you compare yourself to those around you and you say, oh, well, at least I'm not like that person. At least I'm not doing what she's doing or doing what he's doing. But I think that it's really, really important to remind ourselves daily that we can't earn a right and perfect relationship with God. It's a gift given to us through Christ Jesus himself. So while some of us might be familiar with the idea that we can't earn our salvation, maybe that's not you. Maybe you haven't heard that before. And so it's a new idea to you to hear that tonight. And if so, then we want to ask, when Paul says to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, I think that there's another way to say that. I think that another way of saying it would be to live out our salvation, live out God's promise for our lives, our thoughts, our actions to be made in the reflection of Jesus. What about when Paul says with fear and trembling. Is he saying be afraid of God to work out our salvation um, all the while fearing that we're going to mess up? Um, Literally meaning what we think of to be afraid? Well, I think the Bible sometimes uses the word fear to mean that, but I think tonight that's not what Paul's talking about. In this context, in this case, what Paul is saying, fear means more like awe and wonder. Fear means more like amazement. So when Paul is telling them there should be a sense of fear, it's a sense of awe, a sense of amazement before God that affects the way they obey. So Paul tells the Philippians, work out their salvation with fear and trembling, right? We're talking about that right now. But that brings up maybe 
It's a somewhat obvious question for us, right? How do we do that? How do we work out our own salvation? And I want to spend the rest of the time tonight answering that question by catching two important truths about working out our salvation. First truth that I want you to hear is knowing that we're not alone in working out our salvation. Actually, Paul tells us that we are empowered by God. If we continue reading what Paul says, verse 12 into 13, uh, he goes on to say this. Therefore, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Paul tells them first to work out. It's an action. Paul is telling the Philippians they're active, right? They play an important role. They have something to do. But then he goes on to say, for it is God who works in you. The Philippians' obedience, they're working out their salvation. It's not on their own. God is at work in them. They have a role to play, but they aren't in control. God is. And so knowing, believing what Paul says, believing that God works in us, I think it brings up another question, right? The question of how. How is God at work in my life? How is he at work in your life? And I know that that's not an easy question to answer, right? Sometimes we, we may not even believe that God's work in our lives because we can't see it. We can't feel it. It's not tangible. But, and, and I don't mean this lightly, I think that the first place we have to start is with prayer and spending time reading our Bibles. We have to ask God, reveal to us, God, show us how you're at work in our lives. We want to ask God to give us the power to live out our faith, be at work in us. We want to ask him for the strength to fight the sin in our lives. We want to live a life that reflects the life Jesus lived. We want to say, God, mold me. God, shape me. God, make me more and more like you. Then look for God in our everyday life and look for ways that we can be more and more like Jesus. Uh, for those of you who don't know me very well, when I came to Mizzou my second semester, I joined a fraternity. Um, and the reason I joined a fraternity was pretty straightforward for me at the time, you know. I wanted to meet people, and I wanted to party. Um, it was, you know, kind of easy. I, I wanted to be, like, the cool dude, you know. I go from a high school that I'm the popular guy. I want to be the person that everyone knows. Um, and for two-ish years, you know, that was kind of my goal. Uh, but when I joined the fraternity, I was kind of an outlier in the fact that I didn't smoke weed. Um, I was actually, I think, one of two out of 14 pledge brothers that didn't smoke weed. Um, and so to be this cool guy, you know, I started smoking weed. Uh, it wasn't, you know, a lot at first, but it was a way for people to hang out with me. It was a way to fit in. It was a way to be that cool guy. And so, yeah, I tried it. I liked it, and then I did it a couple days later and a couple days later, and, you know, it got to a point in my life where I smoked weed one semester every day, you know, it was, was kind of who I was, you know, that was kind of what I did, I smoked, I partied, I went out, and, 
you know, I was living this life, you know, the life I wanted. Um, but at the same time, I had also started coming to Veritas. You know, I had gotten involved in a small group and was attending it eh, fairly regularly, I guess you could say. And, and it was at these places, at Veritas and in my small group, that I heard that the smoking, that partying, that wouldn't fulfill me. Um, I heard that I was seeking happiness in these things, but they wouldn't live up to the expectations. Um, that to be a Christian, I should want to say no to these things. I should say no to them and say yes to Jesus, yes to my relationship with God. But <laughs> I remember thinking that I was so deep into it that I could only dream of the day that I stopped smoking weed before I went to bed. And the matter is, I kind of liked it, you know. I, I didn't really want to stop. I didn't want to stop drinking. I didn't want to stop smoking. I mean, I didn't have any reason really to say no besides these guys telling me to. Um, but the second semester of it would have been my junior year, um, you know, something was happening in me. I didn't realize it at the time. I didn't really know what was going on. But God was working in me. You know, God was empowering me to want him more and more and to want that stuff less and less. You know, saying no for me, it got easier. And it got to a point that I remember the last two times I smoked vividly. I remember I hated it. I, I was paranoid. I got dizzy. And, you know, I never wanted to do it again. And, and I praise God for, for being at work in, for me, in me, for changing my desires. Because the truth is, I didn't have the power to stop by myself. I, I didn't think I was able to. But it was because God was at work in me. God was at work in my life. And I'm so grateful that he gave me the strength to say no. He gave me the desire to say no, to not want that, but to want him. And so maybe, maybe a struggle for you isn't weed. Maybe it isn't drinking. But I think the reality is, is this looks different for all of us. For some of us, it's a specific sin. You know, maybe it's a thought. Maybe it's an action. Maybe it's a feeling. And, and maybe some of you are sitting there thinking, Justin, like, I've tried over and over to stop. I've tried over and over to say no, to stop comparing myself to others. I can't control how much I stress and I worry over my grades and over getting the right GPA and getting the right job after graduation. I can't control my lustful thoughts. I can't control my lustful actions. They've got control over me. They've got a grip on me, and I just can't get free from it. And I want to be the first to say, yes, I know what that's like. I've been there. I've walked where you're walking. And I know that it's easy to get defeated when we look at our day-to-day -day sins. It's easy to want to give up. You feel like God isn't doing anything, and maybe you feel alone. You think, I'm never going to be able to overcome this. I'm never going to be able to stop wanting to get drunk to go out and party. I'm never going to be able to stop judging people that I see. I'm never going to be able to control my anger, my anxiety. Or maybe, you know, on the other hand, you're sitting here thinking, things are great, you know. I got the internship. I'm, I'm living pretty faithfully. I got a boyfriend. 
life, life, girlfriend, either one, life seems to be going pretty well, right? You know, life's, life's good right now. What's, what's to worry about? And if that's you, then I want to just have you take the time and ask yourself, when was the last time that you thanked God for how he's working in your life to give you those things, to put you at the place that you're at right now? When was the last time you thanked him? Because I think what Paul is telling us is that God is and wants to be at work in our lives. I want to give us, I want that to give us hope. I want that to give us confidence to continue living out our faith in Jesus. But also the reminder that when things aren't going well, we aren't alone. When things are going well, we aren't alone. And we should give God thanks for the ways that he's working in us. So we see Paul telling us we're not alone in working out our salvation. We're empowered by God. It is God who works in us, right? The second thing that I want us to take away from tonight is this. Working out our salvation, living out our faith, it's a process. If we look back at verse 12, it says this. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And so I said this before, um, but I want to say it again. Another way to word this, I think, would be Paul telling them, continue, continue to work out your own salvation. Paul is telling the Philippians, okay, you've obeyed. You've been obedient in the past. So continue to be obedient. Continue to be obedient by working out your salvation. And he's not telling them that, okay, you guys, you know, you were obedient. You can, you can take a break now. <laughs> you can kind of do whatever you want. You know, God's, God's good. You've, you've kind of done it. No, Paul's encouraging them, but he's challenging them to keep going. Continue in your obedience. Continue to be faithful to God. But like we said earlier, and it's in response to what Jesus did for us. And we want to live out what we believe in. Does that mean that the, the Philippians were perfect? No, not at all. I don't think it means that at all. You know, it's like something we've said at Veritas before. You know, this process, our faith, living out our faith. It's two steps forward, one step back. It's kind of like earlier when (laughs) I was talking about running my half marathon. I didn't just show up, right? I didn't show up. I'm like, okay, I'm here. Let's run 13 miles. No, I had to train. I had to build up my stamina, build up my strength, build up my endurance. You know, the process of preparing, the process that it takes. And the bummer is that process sometimes takes a little longer than we want it to. Um, I got coffee uh, a couple weeks ago with a guy in my small group. And this guy, I met him through the uh, winter Greek trip to Jamaica. It was, I think, 2016. So it was almost two years ago. Um, he, He went on the Jamaica trip and then he came back. He he kind of started getting involved in Veritas, um, and we would meet up, you know, occasionally. We'd go to McAllister's, I'd grab an iced tea, he'd grab a Coke, and we'd hang out. Um, but in these times we hung out, over the two years that I've known him, there was never some, like, amazing eye-opening conversation, right? There was never some, like, oh, really, really tough conversation, something really difficult that he's overcoming, something that has really been challenging him. It was never one moment where I was like, whoa, man, 
dude, look at what God's doing in your life. No, it wasn't like that. But a few weeks ago, when I sat down with him, he actually, he, he kind of started sharing an overview of just what God had been doing in his life, life over the past two years. Um, how his mar- heart, his mind, his desires, they weren't the same as they used to be. You know, he talked to me about that mission trip. And he said, you know, after that, I started getting involved in small group. I, uh, that mission trip encouraged me to actually start going to church again. Um, told me how a recent long-term relationship ended in a breakup and how he had seen God's faithfulness and learned more and more about himself and about God through the hard times of a breakup. He shared with me that over the summer, he worked at a camp, uh, at a church camp, and he was a leader. And part of being a leader was memorizing a Bible verse each week. And he had told me how memorizing those Bible verses over the summer were still sitting with him. He was still thinking through through them, still remembering them, still trying to live them out. Um, He told me that he was trying not to be closed off like he had been. He was trying to be more open, trying to be more loving to others. You know, he was trying to love his parents better and not be angry with them. He was trying to now love his brothers who are freshmen in college, and he was trying to be there for them. And he told me how he was trying to love the guys in our small group really well. You know, one of them posted in the group me on a Friday night, like, hey, guys, I got nothing good to do tonight. Like, can someone hang out? And, you know, how he was reaching out to them, hanging out with him, trying to get him away from the fraternity house for the night. <laughs> and, and I was sitting there, and I was listening to him. And it kind of just occurred to me, I, w- I was just, over the last two years, so blind to how God was at work in this guy's life. You know, I, n- I never saw that huge life-changing event. But that's because it wasn't through some crazy event that God was at work. No, God was at work changing him, shaping him through just his everyday life, through little things here and there each week, continue continuously. It was a slow process. And, you know, he wasn't perfect the whole time. He doesn't have it figured out now. But through that, through the past two years, I just saw how faithful he's been to God. And because of this conversation, I was able to step back and realize just how much God had been doing in his life. And it it was amazing. At the end of the conversation, I said, dude, (laughs) thank you for sharing that. Like, that's encouraging to me. It's encouraging to me to see, you know, how God had been so obviously at work in his life, and I hadn't even paid attention to it. Um, Because I think that we should take a second and we should think back, you know, think back over the last year or two. What has your process looked like? You know, how has God been at work in your life? In what ways are you becoming less angry with others, less angry with your parents? In what ways are you getting better at, you know, listening to your roommates? In what ways are you getting better at listening maybe to the people that you don't agree with on topics that you don't agree with them? You know, maybe God's been at work in you by bringing you to Veritas. You know, for some of you, maybe you thought (laughs) a year ago, I'm not going to be at this campus ministry, and and you're sitting here checking it out because you're interested. 
you know, maybe that's what God's doing. If you were at the crossing this past Sunday, maybe you're learning about the racial injustice in our country, the racial injustice in our community, the racial injustice on our campus, and you're learning how that's stemming from this historical DNA, you know, as Dave called it. I know that for myself, something God has really been challenging me recently has been my selfishness. You know, in the first three months of marriage, I've realized that, you know, if I don't do something, if I don't do the dishes or if I don't, you know, clean up after myself, it no longer sits there until I do it. It actually affects someone else and it has consequences on her. And so, you know, even just that short period of time of three months, that's already a way that God has been at work, you know, in my life, helping me, you know, to fight that. And we need to remind ourselves it's healthy to remind ourselves that we are in process. You know, like I said before, it's two steps forward, one step back. Because the reality is in our lives, we're all going to take steps backwards. And that's okay. But I, I real quick want to make something clear. That just because we're in process does not mean that we're okay with being apathetic. It doesn't mean that we're okay with being lazy about the sin in our lives. You know, don't think that when I say we're in process, that that means that it's okay that I give in to the battle of lust with no signs of progression and I'm okay with it. That's not what I'm saying. Or it's not okay, or that God is okay with what, us not taking the Bible seriously. Don't think that because we're in process, we don't have to fight not to be judgmental to others. We don't have to fight not to be deceiving to others. You know, just because we're in process does not mean we're okay with sin. We're okay with process. It's okay to be in process. We are all in process. But that doesn't mean that we're okay with the sin in our lives. Because being a Christian, believing in what Jesus did for us, it's not a, it's not a one-time thing. It's not a, I raised my hand, you know, at camp when I was a middle schooler. It's not a, you know, building up what the good things that you're doing. It's not a, I went to a mission trip, you know, last spring, or I worked at a church camp this summer, and therefore I'm okay. No, no. Paul is telling the Philippian church, Paul is telling us, as you have obeyed, so now continue to obey by working out your own salvation. Continue to be faithful through obedience to God's plan for your life even when, especially when, it's not easy. Uh, so as the worship team comes up, uh, I just want to close with this. As a ministry, as a group, let's continue to lean in closer to God. Let's continue to ask God for forgiveness. Ask God to forgive us in the ways that we fall short. Ask him to help us overcome yesterday's mistakes. Help us to forget what's behind us and fight the day today. Fight the battle to grow closer to him, to be more and more like Jesus. Let's ask God to allow us to accept him, you know. Let's accept the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, making us more and more like God, and all the while bringing him the glory. You know, it's like uh, what Paul says in the beginning of this chapter, in chapter 1, verse 6, he says this, 
And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God is working in us. God is working in you. And he's faithful to bring that to completion. Amen. I love my